Today, our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 1 through 13. And as we prepare to hear this reading, a quick reminder that our theme today is, Here Comes the Bridegroom. Here Comes the Bridegroom. And it's a part of our series, How to Stay Healthy During a Pandemic Slash Election. Verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all came, became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the, the shout, Look, the, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. In today's gospel, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a wedding party, to a wedding, a wedding in which there was a delay. The bridegroom was delayed. In verse 5, it says, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. When the bridegroom was delayed. I was contemplating that phrase all week. When the bridegroom was delayed, there was an election. This is Sunday, and there was an election of this past week on Tuesday. Now, news outlets called the race yesterday, but there is not full acceptance of it yet. There are still recounts and court challenges to go. You might say that there has been a delay. And we still don't know who won the race for the presidential slot here in Arizona. So during this time of delay, what have you been doing? How have you been preparing for the coming of the bridegroom? Are you preparing by readjusting your stock portfolios? Or are you preparing by celebrating your favorite candidate. Who's preparing for the wedding that Jesus is talking about? Well, maybe you're not into politics. Hard to believe that anybody in this day and age would not be aware of the politics, but maybe you're not. So let's try this one. 
The bridesmaids were all ready. They were waiting at the house of the bride. But the bridegroom was delayed. And when the bridegroom was delayed, there was a pandemic. People with wedding plans have a new term. They call it COVID weddings. It's a whole industry that's being developed, as most uh, aspects of weddings are industrialized in terms of uh, businesses. So now there's all kinds of protocols of how do you delay your wedding? How do you postpone your wedding? How do you prepare the people for those changes? How do you communicate those changes? And so nowadays, we have people who have had small weddings. A pastor friend of mine, one of his sons got married and they had 10 people all together. That was it. Other people are, are having weddings socially distanced outside. Some people are still having weddings indoors, but their numbers may be limited. Um, we have a whole variety of ways that people are doing weddings during this COVID time. If the wedding is delayed, how do we prepare? The wedding could happen at any time. Let's say that there is a quick solution to the pandemic. Somehow, miraculously, are we prepared? Will you be prepared? Well, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven will look like a wedding. Think about that. The kingdom of heaven will look like a wedding. There will be bridesmaids and a bride and groomsmen and a bridegroom. God has used this imagery before. This is not the first time that we hear this reference of, of a wedding for God's relationship with God's people. The prophets Jeremiah and Hosea both spoke about God's relationship with Israel as a husband and wife relationship. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and in the whole book of Hosea, here Jesus is the bridegroom this wedding that is described in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. In this particular wedding, Jesus is the bridegroom. And the church, the people that God has claimed, we are the bride. This is a time of celebration. And this is a time of joy. Now, if you're not cognizant of that, um, let me just explain to you that weddings are very joyous occasions. They are times of great happiness. And people are overflowing with that love and joy and happiness. And so when we think about these, this example of a wedding as a comparison to the kingdom of heaven, we are reminded earlier in Matthew um, about this as well. In chapter 9, verse 15, some disciples of John the Baptist have come to Jesus and they, they are curious. They're asking him, why don't your disciples fast? Obviously, the disciples of John the Baptist are fasting and the disciples of the rabbinical teachers are fasting. So why are Jesus' disciples not fasting? And this is what Jesus says in response to their question, Do wedding guests 
mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. That's the first part of his answer. Do wedding guests mourn when they celebrate with the groom? No. There is great joy. There is no time for fasting. This is a feast. But then Jesus says this. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. People with wedding plans understand that this is a time of great joy. It's a time of celebration. The kingdom of God is like a wedding. The kingdom that comes on earth as well as in heaven. When, when Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, what he is referring to is that God's kingdom that is breaking into our earth, that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. So the, the kingdom of heaven is not just up in heaven, the kingdom of heaven is also breaking into our lives, into our world, into our communities, into our churches. And so the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding. In this particular wedding, there are ten, um, in, the, in the literal translation, ten virgins or maidens. Um, it gets translated in our, our Bibles today as bridesmaids because that's a word that we're all familiar with. So there are ten bridesmaids. And the bridegroom would come with his groomsmen to the home of the bride, the parents of the bride. And he would take the bride from her parents' home and escort her to the wedding festivities. So as the bridegroom, along with his groomsmen, approached the bride's house, the bride's parents' house, at that point the bridesmaids would go out with their lamps to to greet the bridegroom. And so there'd be this um, festival uh, greeting, and then they would usher with their lamp light the bridegroom into to the, to the bride so that they could be connected and he could take her and continue on to the wedding celebration. So what this story is about that Jesus is sharing is that at this very festive meeting, the bridegroom was always met by the bridesmaids. But what if not all the bridesmaids are prepared to meet the bridegroom? What if the bridegroom is delayed? And in this case, the bridesmaids, not five of them, but all of them fall asleep. They get drowsy and fall asleep. That's not the issue. The issue isn't that they fell asleep. The issue was that they weren't prepared to celebrate. Five of them weren't. When the bridegroom comes, the foolish bridesmaids ask for the other bridesmaids to give them some of the oil for their lamps. They weren't prepared, but the others tell them, no, they don't have enough, that they should go to Walmart and purchase some oil for themselves. So they go off and they purchase the oil. But by the time they get back, the, the bridegroom has already come, and he's already been met by the other five bridesmaids, and they are off to the wedding. And once they're at the wedding, all the doors are closed. The wedding guests cannot mourn while the bridegroom is with them. 
You see, I think that this story that Jesus is telling us is not just a story about discipleship, but I think it's also a story about our capacity to have joy. Even in the midst of difficult times and in, in the midst of challenging situations, are we prepared to have joy? Keep awake, the bridegroom says. Therefore, you do not know the day or the hour when the bridegroom comes. Keep joyful, for no one knows the day or the hour. And why is this important? I think this is important for us to remember, especially during the time of an unsettled election or the time of a pandemic. We are called to keep joyful, to keep our capacity for celebrating with joy. So how can one be joyful even in challenging and frightening times? Well, we can take our cue from the Apostle Paul. He wrote an epistle. That's a fancy word for, the, for a word we would translate as a letter. He wrote a letter about joy of all things. Philippi was a small Roman colony in the province of Macedonia, which would be in the northeast portion of Greece. Philippi was the first town to hear Paul's message about the gospel of Jesus Christ on his second missionary journey, the journey that he took with, with Silas. During this first visit to Philippi, Paul met Lydia. You remember the story about Lydia, the dealer of purple cloth. She became a follower and um, also a host. She provided a place for Paul and his people to, to stay while they were in Philippi. They um, stayed at her household, um, ate with them, and uh, she supported the work that they were doing. She and her whole household became believers and were baptized. And so after meeting Lydia, they go through town over the next several days, walking through the marketplaces. And Paul is talking to people, and he's sharing the story about Jesus. Meanwhile, there's a little slave girl, a servant girl, who is used by a group of men that own her because she is a slave, and they use her because she can tell fortunes. Well, one of the fortunes that she keeps telling is that these are the men of God, Paul and Silas, and people should listen to them because they have the truth about the salvation that God offers. And so she keeps saying this same thing over and over as they're walking through the marketplace day after day after day. And finally, Paul has had enough. Even though it's a good word, it's just too much. You know, it's, it's like pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. One piece is good. If you're going to have the whole pie, ugh, I'm not sure about all of that. So he turns around and he says to her, demon, come out of her. And she is exercised from this demon. And she stops speaking these words following Paul. The only problem is she no longer can tell fortunes. And the men that own her are really ticked off. So they have Paul arrested and Silas arrested. They have him thrown into prison. They're in prison for taking the livelihood, this money from these, um, from this, what we'd call today, a child trafficker, a labor trafficker. And so they've, they've thrown them into prison, 
And as they're in prison, during the middle of the night, of all things, an earthquake hits. And it completely destroys the prison. The chains, the, what they're locked up with are broken. The walls come tumbling down. And it is a, a complete mess. Well, the jailer wakes up. He's in charge of these very critical prisoners. He wakes up and realizes that the whole place is in shambles. And he, his assumption is that his prisoners have escaped. So he takes his sword. He's going to take his own life because he feels like he's failed his responsibility. Before he can do that, Paul says, Stop! Don't do that! We're here! And so this jailer is so grateful that they're still there. He listens to them. He asks them to tell, tell him more about this Jesus that they keep talking about. And before long, the jailer and his whole household, his family, have become believers and are baptized. Meanwhile, there is a lot of disruption throughout the city of Philippi because of Paul and Silas. And so the word gets out that Paul and Silas are in prison and that they're Roman citizens. Nobody checked that out first. You see, technically, you couldn't just throw Roman citizens into jail. Is but they have done that. So the city leaders have been meeting, discussing this issue, and they're trying to figure out how can we just get Paul and Silas to go away. So they come and they ask them just to leave town. They escort them out because they are at some, they're in some danger yet. And as they're escorted out, they leave town and, and not able to come back. So Paul writes a letter years later You see, one of the members of the church in Philippi, years later, brings a gift to Paul. This young man's name is Epaphroditus. And he brings a monetary gift from the church to Paul in Rome. And he ministers to Paul in Rome. He cares for Paul. And as a sign of his gratitude, giving thanks for the blessing that he has received, from Epaphroditus, from the church in Philippi, Paul pens a letter, writes a letter to the church there, a letter of encouragement. And in this letter of encouragement, he fills it with joy. He writes about joy throughout this letter, but the most famous part of this letter in its focus on joy is in Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. Let's take a quick look at that. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Always be full in the joy of the Lord. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Another way of translating that is gentle in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
Paul knew that the early church in Philippi had been struggling. They had been accused of undermining the Roman culture by their adherence to one God, this triune God. They had been seen as undermining the culture because the Roman culture was an acceptance of multiple gods. And so the church was experiencing some persecution and Paul wants them to know that in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of the challenges that they met, that they should have joy, that they should exude joy, that they have a great capacity to, for joy because they are followers of Jesus. What could bring more joy to your life than knowing Jesus? Paul knew that the early church needed to hear this word, and so he tells them to have joy like he has joy. What I haven't told you about this letter yet is where Paul wrote it from. Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison. We don't know if it was his second to last imprisonment or his last imprisonment, the one that took his life. But in the midst of his imprisonment, Paul writes a letter of joy that he has. And he writes this letter of joy so that the church in Philippi can be filled with joy. In the midst of challenging times, Paul says, choose joy. Rejoice again. Be full of the Lord's joy. Again, I say rejoice. Be gentle, be considerate with one another. Even if you don't agree politically, be considerate. Be kind to one another. That's who we are as Christians. And may the world see your gentleness, for the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. Stop worrying. Pray about everything. No more worry, lots more prayer. The Lord is near. You know, when we think about not worrying about anything, I thought of times of worry for me. When I look at my retirement account, I worry. But when I look at my blessings, the blessings that God has given me, and our children and our grandchildren, in our life, in, in our experiences, when I look at those blessings, I am one of the richest men around. I may be one of the richest men in the world. And so we look for our blessings, not for our things. And when we count our blessings, something changes within us. We become more grateful, more thankful. So let's spend more time counting our blessings so that we can experience more joy. Trust that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The bridegroom is coming. How's your joy? Amen.